Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio and happy summer to you. Thanks for tuning in. This show is radio's answer to culinary conversation and inspiration. I'm all about the culture of food and living the best life. And so we celebrate food and its ability to feed the soul every week. And I hope you'll visit chefjamie.com to take your cooking skills to the next level. And I'm always looking for new friends on social, of course, at Chef Jamie Gwen. Let me set the table for you. Coming up, we are celebrating, yes, the much-beloved lifestyle expert with her beautifully bubbly personality, Maria Provenzano has had her first book released, and it is so much more than a cookbook. It's all about crafts and decorating and inspiration. It's entitled Everyday Celebrations from Scratch, and wait till you hear Maria's brilliant ideas. Also, later in the hour, we are getting an education in olive oil, level two olive oil sommelier and the master blender for Paso Livo, an artisan olive oil producer out of Paso Robles, California, Central Coast, which we love. Marissa Block Gaetan will be here. So whether you're storing your olive oil properly or even buying the right kind, stay tuned because we're going to give you an education. And of course, my goal is to satiate your appetite and heat it up in your radio every week with grand guests and chef's tips because I want your dishes to come alive with flavor. I like to start this show with a tutorial of sorts to try to make you the best cook you know. And I have a confession. I am a churro addict. I am. If you know me, you know that I have a thing for churros. I always have. I mean, what could be bad about fried dough generously coated in cinnamon sugar or better yet, dipped in warm melted chocolate? So at Disneyland, I walk around with a churro or two. And at home, I fry them once in a while for sheer indulgence. I truly do love them. Now, churros were created in Spain. They are part of Spain's social fabric, really, like croissants are to France and bagels are to New York. And they are easily Spain's most famous snack. Here in the States, they've become a famous theme park treat and a fairground indulgence. Uh, but the fried snack has become very universally adored today, and it does unite people of every walk of life. If you want to see a true cross-section of Spanish society, you spend a few hours in a churreria, that is like my dream come true of heaven, where they only serve churros. And the construction workers rub shoulders with the well-to-do business people. And while most of the city is asleep, there are actually hundreds of taxi drivers across Spain that wolf down a breakfast of churros and café con leche. That would be my perfect morning. Now, according to a Serious Eats story all about churros, which was a fabulous read, thank you, Kenji, who has graced this show before, one of the pioneers of churros is Miguel Pizarro. He owns El Andin in Jerez, Spain, where other great things come from. 
and determined to uncover the X factor in producing a superior churro, he crisscrossed Spain gathering tips and tricks from 30 churro masters. And of all the best churros, he said that they started with just three ingredients, water, flour, and salt. But the secret was in how you mix them. Now, there are amazing churro stories out of Spain. Uh, There is a 93-year-old churro or uh, churreria um, in Pamplona, and (laughs) it's called Donna Paulina, and it is believed to be the oldest churreria in Spain, and they fry in olive oil over a beechwood fire, bring it, imbuing those beautiful smoky aromas into the dough. Now, it is a crazy production, supposedly, to make these churros. They are only open 14 days a year, and they go through nine tons of hand-cut wood and a ton of flour per week. That's two tons total. Now, homemade churros are the best there is, right? Fresh and hot from the oil. They're crispy on the outside and soft and tender on the inside. And I hear angels sing because I love churros. And they have a flavor that I don't think anyone could resist. And I have not yet duplicated the Spanish-style churro made from water, flour, and salt to start. Mine actually have a few more ingredients, uh, but they are super delicious and well worth heating up some oil. And whether it was the piece I read on Serious Eats that inspired my most recent churro party, uh, party could, could be a party of one, ours was a party of five, uh, but I will say uh, there is something so oh appealing and addictive, I suppose, about a churro for me. I did read the story and thought, well, I I have to get to the perfect churro, at least in my own kitchen. And that led me to want to share with you patachou, or also called choux pastry. So you've made patachou before, maybe for gougeres or cheese puffs, for cream puffs, uh, profiterole, for eclair, for beignet. It's that crispy outer shell with that light, feathery, airy, almost like a spider web interior. And pate is made with flour, butter, eggs, and water. Some people use half water, half milk, by the way. Uh, but the way that the pate bakes up, it leavens with steam uh, rather than a chemical leavening agent, right? And the dough itself is made on the stovetop with the ingredients, except for the eggs, brought to a boil while you stir them to form a ball. The dough comes together. It peels away, essentially, from the sides of the pot. And this is pretty unusual. Most pastry doughs are mixed and then rolled or folded, right? Now, shoe dough, as it's casually called, is often cooked twice uh, because you'd consider the first cooking method on top of the stove, and then the second in the case of churros or beignets, it's fried, or in the case of uh, cream puffs or gougere, it's baked. Now, this double cooking helps to produce that airy interior, and the structure of the pate is what makes for, I think, a brilliant churro. Yes, it is you know, a substitute for the Spanish style, but I'll tell you, it makes a really good substitute. 
So I make pate choux dough. Happy to share the recipe, by the way. Uh, my signature recipe is pretty standard, but I'd love for you to have it. Just email me, jamie, J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com. And then I transfer the dough, as it's called. Once you take it off the heat, by the way, you mix in the eggs and you continue to blend. And then I transfer it to a piping bag with a large round star tip. And then you pipe the mixture for churro addicts into preheated oil and you cut the end with a scissor and they fry for about two or two and a half minutes at most. You transfer them to paper towels, of course, and then you roll them in copious amounts of cinnamon sugar. And how could that be bad? And then you don't wait until they're too cool to eat because who could wait for that? (laughs) But if you are attempting churros for the first time or every time, here are my best chef's tips. So you want to use a candy thermometer for the oil. I think it's a must so that you get to the proper temperature, right? And uh, I do feel that pate dough needs three eggs in the recipe. I will let you know that. And you want to let the dough rest. Uh, it needs a little time to just chillax. And lastly, I will say, um, you don't want the churro to go into the cinnamon sugar too wet. You drain briefly on paper towels before you give it its cinnamon sugar coating because there shouldn't be any clumps. There should be that kind of fine dusting that gives you the the spice and the heat of the cinnamon offset with the sweetness of the sugar. Something like 15 seconds and then roll. And they must be served warm. Don't go anywhere because coming up next, everyday celebrations from scratch with Maria Provenzano turning small moments into big celebrations. That's what she's all about. And so we're going to celebrate today right after this. Chef Jamie Gwen, thanks for listening. Don't go away. culinary sites higher if you're hungry for beautiful food and juicy conversation well then this show is for you welcome back chef jamie gwen in your radio there is a beautiful new cookbook release but it is so much more than a cookbook it's recipes and crafts and decorating and more from a truly talented lifestyle expert who's true goal is to inspire others to make it from scratch. 
Her name is Maria Provenzano, and she is the creator of the site from scratch with Maria.com. And her recipes have been published everywhere. You know her from Hallmark Channel's Home and Family, where I started my roots. And she is a mom and an extraordinarily talented cook and a DIY genius. And so we are dishing today on everyday celebrations from scratch, the first cookbook release from Maria Provenzano. Uh, truly gorgeous. Maria, what a delight to have you on the show. Thank you for being here and kudos to you. Congratulations. Uh, what a gorgeous manual. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I know and I feel like I'm, I'm sharing another child of mine with the world. Yes. <laughs> I appreciate all of your kind words. Yes, of um, course. You know, there's so much love put into this book mm. and, and truly I hope that whoever picks it up is inspired by something you know there's a range of uh easy ideas even if it's just a way to display flowers to difficult ideas like blackberry curd and meringue you know (laughs) so everything um in there is accessible no matter your crafting or cooking abilities for sure yes but i love the breadth of what you do because there is something for everyone but you really are committed to from scratch and you are dedicated to a celebration and maria i grew up with a mom We still jump up and down today where we celebrated everything. And I think especially what we've been through over the past years, there is something to be said for celebrating life and celebrating the small moments and celebrating the trophies. And and you really embrace that. Yeah. If we have learned anything in the past couple of years, it is that time truly is our greatest gift. Mm -hmm. And I think it puts things in perspective for us that sometimes you can't wait for holidays to celebrate. And I think it's really important to recognize that, you know, it is the moments in life that are the small moments. It's the meals together, Mm. the breakfast before a big day. And it's sort of, you know, honoring those relationships and and not just honoring them, but celebrating them. So in the book, there are five chapters with multiple themes within each chapter. And the first one obviously being weeknight meals, because for me, weeknight meals, those are some of my greatest life memories with my family. Mm-hmm. That to me is like the foundation and building block for why my family is so close. And I just think it's so important. So that's number one in the, in the book. And we have family, friends, sports, and seasons. And it's, it's just one of those things that mm-hmm. if you are looking for inspiration to celebrate just about anything. <laughs> yes, it, it is all there. I, you know what I love that you celebrate and we'll, we'll get to it, but you celebrate takeout Thursdays because by Thursday it is time for takeout and you dress it up and jazz it up in such a beautiful way. Let's start there. You're all about the from scratch. So when it's a DIY approach, when it's a crafting approach or a decorating approach, you can go simple or spectacular, but you'll roll out. You, you say in the book, I'll take a step back. You set the scene first before you share the crafts and the recipes. You'll roll out brown butcher paper or set down inexpensive placemats and let friends, family, kids decorate, right? What a wonderful way to, to get everyone involved. Absolutely. Well, so I I started something during COVID. Um, I I always wanted to kind of inspire people to not be scared to let their kids get messy, right? Uh, Because for me, I grew up with a mom who always encouraged me to be creative. And it was okay if we made a mess and, you know, it was okay to mess up. You know, that's really, I think, a lot of times with kids, I feel like 
especially nowadays, there's so much helicopter parenting and things like that where kids are not allowed to be free and mix colors together and see what happens. And that, to me, I think is so important to just allow kids to have creative freedom and as we get to be adults, too. So the idea with the things that you mentioned, the butcher paper and um, the placemats, those are in the Making Messes Monday, which is in the weeknight hmm. meal chapter. So and fun. so I started Making Messes uh, Monday on my Instagram during the lockdown. And because I was like, well, this is something I've wanted to do for a while with my kids. I now have the time to actually film it. And, um, you know, I really was able to break down good ways to teach people how to have mess success. So although I want people to encourage their kids to make a mess, I don't want them to lose their mind <laughs> at the same time. So that's why, you know, having the, the sort of tools of food-grade butcher paper, lay it out on your table, even if you just put that out with some crayons, it gives your kids something to do besides watch a show while you're either prepping dinner or something like of that nature. You know, you have a little one, so they're not necessarily using the kids' knives right now. They might want to color or they might want to, you know, help pick out different parts of the herbs or things like that. So it's yes. all about the different ages. Right. Um, but sometimes you just need them to be distracted for a little bit and, and, and do the creativity. But the placemats for me was part of Making Messes Monday as a dedication to, you know what, it doesn't matter if you ruin this placemat because that was its purpose. You grab some fabric paint, let the kids decorate, and that is a place where then when they mess it up, they get to make a new one because that's the purpose of, of it. Yeah. And I think it's so important to allow your kids to express themselves with creativity and mm. to do that together is a really great bonding experience. Yes, and very inspiring to create that uh, intention of letting your creativity flow, right? Because I find with my son, when I put some project out like that, it, it begets something else, right? Then that creativity flows into something else. And I love that they're, they're actively involved at the table. I love the placemat idea only followed with the fact that you need a placemat, uh, to make a mess with slow cooker, chicken tacos, and oven-baked crunchy shells. That looks so good, Maria. Oh, my. Oh, yes, that's in the, the Taco Tuesday chapter. You Listen, the, the whole idea with having themes for the weeknights is that you, cannot, you don't have to necessarily pick, you don't have to do it um, every, one of these every single night. You don't have to do Making Messes Monday and Taco Tuesday and Pasta Wednesday. You know, you, what you can do is if you are a taco lover, like we love tacos in my house. And just having that be sort of your Tuesday standing date is such a lovely thing. And slow cookers, I love slow cookers. I do so much in my slow cooker. I mean, and this is all throughout the year. Yes. Even if it's just like I have my fall uh, recipes of like a slow cooker um, pumpkin spice latte, which is lovely. Put that in like your calendar to, <laughs> in the fall. Mm-hmm. But like, for instance, the slow cooker chicken tacos is something you could make obviously on a Tuesday, but just about any day that you're busy. I love the idea of putting something in and just forgetting it. And so with this, I, I try to encourage my kids to eat veggies in whatever way I can. And uh, so usually when they're in uh, a taco, that's an easy way to sell it. <laughs> yeah, it's an easy way to hide it for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maria, we have to take a quick pause, but you're making me so hungry. <laughs> we are sharing everyday celebrations from scratch. Maria Provenzano is here. 
And we're glad that you are too. When we come back, more wonderful ways to make memories. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio, making every day more delicious with Maria Provenzano, turning small moments into big celebrations with foods and crafts from scratch. I use my slow cooker year round like you do. Now, during the summer, though, you are, uh, and you've definitely embraced it, you are a pesto fanatic. Is that, <laughs> is that a proper term, I should say? Yes. And you make these beautiful pestos in the book. I too love pesto. I think it's a fabulous way to use up the garden. Most often, yes, basil is the base, but I add everything else that I have. The the herbs that are aging in the refrigerator, anything that's, you know, sort of maybe looking iffy in the garden, all the herbs go in. And I love your variations to, as you say, punch up the flavor with pesto. I mean, it's just like a little bit goes such a long way. Mm -hmm. And it's the thing about like, like I said, the, you know, the freezer is my friend when it comes to even just having the flour tortillas. You can freeze pesto. And for me, if you're, I know a lot of people do meal prep. I hate to eat the same thing every night. So I, de- I generally don't do like the, I'm going to have chicken with veggies and like put it in the same box and have it every single night. Like I truly enjoy the art of dinner. So I like to mix it up, but it's also the way I plan ahead is with the freezer and pesto is a great way to do it because it does give you so much variety. So yeah, in the, in the book, in uh, the pasta Wednesday chapter, I have three different pesto recipes. Um, the lemony basil pesto is going to be great for me. It's all year long. Cause you can get, you know, basil in the grocery store too. Of course. Uh, but I know a lot of people's gardens are, are really going overboard with basil right now. And for me, I, when I do not have a green thumb, but sometimes <laughs> when my garden decides to like me, I can grow a lot of parsley. So my pumpkin seed pesto, although it's, it kind of has that fall feel, it's actually pepita seeds. So it's not like the pumpkin seeds that are, you know, that you're getting out of your pumpkin. They're whole pumpkin seeds. So that's something that you can make all year long, too, because you can always get those at the grocery store. And then the red pepper pesto is another thing that, like, let's say you don't have, um, you know, a ton of uh herbs around this is an easy one that you're using uh, a lot of things that are you're getting from the can for instance red pepper uh is roasted red pepper that you're getting out of the can if you aren't um you know roasting it yourself which is totally fine i actually like the red pepper in the can because i just or in the jar like the jar that you just pull out yeah the roasted red peppers yeah yes because i just actually think in the oils it has a lot more flavor than if you were to make it Um, but anyway so but really the point of having any of these pestos is that you can have so many options from making pasta to crostini or even just tossing it with some chicken, putting it on a salad. Like, there's so many ways for pesto to amp up the flavor of just about anything. I I agree with you. And I love from your Italian roots. I mean, you make a pasta with pesto and red sauce. I add pesto to everything. I add pesto to my eggs in the morning because it's it's a great shortcut for seasoning, right? And then the end of the pesto jar... I make a vinaigrette 
because that's the best. Oh, yeah, make salad dressing from the bottom of your pesto jar. And if you're going store-bought to homemade, maybe you don't have time, um, don't waste the bottom of that plastic container either. You know, throw in a splash of vinegar or more lemon juice and more olive oil, thin it out. Um, and then, then you really waste not, want not. Um, I love that. Yeah, yeah so... I'm of the same idea. I, my mom's like that too. It's like we scrape the bottom of everything everything yeah and yeah i think that is i was raised that way too i think that is something you you grow up with and we pass along to our children albeit good or good or bad okay will you make creamy tuscan salmon with us but first let me just mention if you've just tuned in you're late because maria provenzano is here maria is of course um a worldwide known lifestyle expert who just does it beautifully from her crafts and her decorations to her design to her very inspired recipes her first very beautiful cookbook has just released very highly rated on amazon and on its way to bestseller it is called everyday celebrations from scratch and you know maria of course from her website and social media success from scratch with maria okay I do plan to make your ice cream in a bag with homemade sprinkles with my son. Yes, we've, you know, I used to do ice cream in a can, ice cream in a jar. The the bag is the brilliance here. Um, white wine. What? Yeah, it's so fun. White wine artichokes on my list of Maria recipes to make. Yeah. And then give us a little Italian inspiration before I let you go. Oh, and then we have to, we must talk muffins, but uh, cheese stuffed meatballs. Does this one make your father proud? Oh, it's. It does, it does. And I can, like, every time I make any kind of, like, an Italian recipe, especially meatballs, I, like, I feel like I channel my grandpa Provenzano uh-huh. um, because, you know, it was really his recipe for meatballs that taught me how to, how to make a really good meatball. And so I have his recipe in there, but then I kind of did my own spin on his by adding the, um, the cheese stuffed meatballs, mm. and those are just so, I mean, yeah. they pack a punch. Because yeah. it has an unexpected um, kind of like cheesy bite in the center, and then I love a good spicy sauce. So I like to add um, add those in like a spicy, and I actually serve those as is, you know. So they're they're uh, with a red wine and tomato sauce. Nice. And Italians, as you know, in Italy don't serve <laughs> meatballs with pasta on pasta. So no. Just, uh, yeah, that's very Italian American. Um, but these ones. Um, this one in particular is really good. And the thing about adding the mozzarella cheese into the center, I like using the smoked mozzarella. It makes it so they stay extra moist mm. and tender. Yeah. That you just like, if you ever worried about, you know, your meatballs being a little bit drier, if that's ever been something you've struggled with, try this recipe because they're foolproof. Yeah. And, for that. And that is the demise of a meatball. A dry, hard meatball could turn you off forever. But a cheesy, juicy, saucy meatball again need need crusty bread glass of red wine i'm in i i'm i'm all about that um albeit it's not dessert but leave us with this because i do plan to make this weekend your on-the-go pancake muffins what a wonderful thing to take with you in the car to the office for the kids on the way to school they taste like a pancake in the form of a muffin yeah and so this one i i also give the recipe for the pancakes but Truth be told, let's say either you're busy and you don't have time or you're not a from scratch all the way type person, you can actually do this idea with like a pancake mix. 
too. Generally, oh, so that should work. Right. Um, yeah, because the idea is, look, I love pancakes, and I think most people do, but if you're on the go, and this is a great back-to-school yes. recipe for everybody yes. as we're kind of doing our planning. Like, I just got my first email about <laughs> school starting back up. I I'm did, like, too. Oh, my God, class listed everything. Right. It's crazy, right? Right. And so with that, I, I start thinking of getting back into the routine of uh, back to school, which is truthfully one of my favorite times of the year. I love the energy that goes with it. Mm-hmm. And so doing on-the-go on pancake muffins, this is a really versatile idea. So you can definitely do the recipe that I have in here. I use my um, brown sugar sour cream pancake batter for this because I, I love the flavor of, that a sour cream adds to pancakes, and I love brown sugar. So that little I. element of sort of like that sweetness and that molasses flavor that gives it a lot of depth. Yeah, they're rich. Um, yeah, mm. and, and then Beautiful. mix it up. So in here I have chocolate chips because I love chocolate chip pancakes. But if you want to add some fruit into your kid's day, or let's say it's your day, these, don't, these aren't just for kids, um, but, you know, add in some um, blueberries, strawberries, raspberries, and you can add in a lot of things that are healthy too. Top it with some chia seeds or flax seeds. Mm. Add some oatmeal to it. There's so many good options. Smart. That, I mean, even if you want to, like, blend in some, uh, like, spinach, and it can even look a little greenish, and it, they can be, like, the green monster kind of, like, power <laughs> pancakes. I'm telling you, there's so many ways to make these versatile for Brilliant. whatever box you're trying to check, right? Yes. <laughs> and, and I love that you check all the boxes. And I love that you love the energy of back to school. I love your energy. You are known and loved for being bubbly and just brilliant. And there is no doubt, this is a beautiful book full of inspiration. Congratulations to you. What a delight to be able to highlight all of your talent and uh, all of the beautiful ideas that you've shared that have made so many inspired. The book is called Everyday Celebrations from Scratch. The author, Maria Provenzano. Maria is a lover of all things crafty. She is obsessed with feeding those around her. She is uh, extraordinarily talented, self-taught, mom-taught, and she shares the most imaginative, organized, beautifully decorative ideas and recipes in this new book. Please check it out and follow on social at From Scratch with Maria. Maria, I'd love you to come back as the seasons change and tell us what you're cooking and what you're crafting. I would love that. Okay, I good. I so enjoyed talking with you. Please, I've That's enjoyed what it. I live for, so I will <laughs> as come well. chat with you anytime. <laughs> Thank you. I would love that. Maria Provenzano in your radio. What a pleasure. Okay, now we're fast friends, and um, I'm going to call you when I'm making creamy Tuscan salmon. Perfect. I okay, good. It. Fabulous. Uh, There's lots more delicious conversation in your radio to inspire and make you smile and fill your belly, of course. Chef Jamie Gwen, be right back. True culinary exploration, and you have such great taste to have tuned in. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. 
Marissa Block Gaetan is a level two olive oil sommelier and the master blender for Pasolivo. Sounds cool, right? She's an expert on olive oil and intimately involved in the entire olive oil process from growing the olives to milling to blending the oils for Pasolivo in California's central coast. So we're digging deep into all things olive oil today, whether it's avoiding olive oil fraud, yes, it's real and more widespread than you think I've come to understand, or learning about what a polyphenol is, or just storing your olive oil properly. Marissa is here to share her knowledge and I am delighted. Welcome to the show, Marissa. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, of course. Okay, first and foremost, I very much admire your expertise and your continuing education. What exactly does it mean, for those that don't know, to be an olive oil sommelier? So I went through extensive training, much like a wine sommelier does, Mm -hmm. where I tasted hundreds of oils with experts from all around the world. And I learned how to identify what variety of olive I was tasting, where that olive oil came from, how to pick out a defective olive oil, so an oil that may have gone rancid, and then took it a step further to learn how to pair different olive oils with food. See, I think it's fascinating, very similar to wine education, to blind taste an olive oil is just, that concept is extraordinary to me. And what you've gained in knowledge along the way has really helped us as consumers to better our olive oil usage because there are so many beautiful, innate qualities to olive oil that need to be, I feel, preserved and appreciated. So start at the beginning. What are the most important factors we should know and understand about olive oil quality? It is really important in the milling process to make sure that you're going through everything that's going to even get your olive oil certified as an extra virgin. So some of those things are you can't add any heat or chemicals in your process to extract more oil. That will lower the quality and not allow you to get your extra virgin certification. You also need to process your oil within 24 hours of the olives being picked off of the tree. And um, the shorter the time frame you can do that in, the better the quality of the oil. Mm -hmm. And then as far as storage goes, you want to make sure that you're keeping the olive oil protected from light, heat, and oxygen. Okay, so that's the most important of what you've just mentioned for those that love to cook and love to eat. If you store your olive oil next to your stovetop or range, you're doing it all wrong, right? (laughs) That is correct. You want to keep it in a dark, cool place. So a cupboard is perfect. There's a lot of people that think that you should store it in the fridge. That is also not a good place to store it. Okay, so you're all about temperature control and keeping it away from or limiting light. Exactly. Okay, good. Now, there has always been for years and decades and more, uh, I believe a misconception that the best olive oil in the world only comes from Italy. Now, mind you, they make beautiful olive oil, but there are so many wonderful parts of the world, including your neck of the woods, that make gorgeous small batch olive oil. 
And I believe it's a world apart from the big brand names. And um, you can uh, certainly tout your success, please, as an olive oil sommelier and the master blender for Pasolivo. But dig deeper into that for us because you produce award-winning olive oil in the central coast of California. If you're a consumer in the United States, you want to get the freshest olive oil possible. And when we are importing from Europe, that is only adding time until it gets into your hands. And olive oil is the opposite of wine, where it's best when it's first produced. So you do not want to age it. You want to use it within two years of that harvest date. So if you have award-winning olive oil at your fingertips locally, that is what I recommend using. I'm going to recommend that you stick to small batch artisan producers, and I can't wait for everyone who hasn't yet to taste Paso Livo, farmed from the sun-drenched hills of Paso Robles, California, on a ranch in Paso, small batches of award-winning California extra virgin olive oil, master blended by Marissa Block Gaetan. It is called Paso Livo, P-A-S-O-L-I-V-O. Please look it up, check it out, and wait till you taste what is truly extraordinary olive oil. Uh, Marissa, I really appreciate your passion and your knowledge and sharing it with us. Can we do a tasting on air next time? Because I, I would love to better get to know my olive oils. And if you would share that insight, the different varietals, and I think that would be fabulously fun. Of course. Okay. I would love to do that. Good. Okay. So we'll have you back soon. I look forward to you gracing the show again. And once again, thank you for your passion. Thank you. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of stimulating conversation. Well, at least I hope you thought so. I hope that I made you hungry and that you'll tune in every week for lots more deliciousness. Don't go yet. Uh, Let me leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of gastronomic inspiration for the hour. I always like to leave you with a recipe and I post it on social with all of the measurements and method. So please check out on social at Chef Jamie Gwen. But I waxed poetic, hopefully, at the start of the show about my tremendous churro addiction. And I hope you had an epiphany. I can't get enough of churros. And so from homemade churros to the cinnamon sugar dusting, what could be better than a dip in the best chocolate sauce ever? And by the way, this is not solely for churro dipping, of course. It's luscious over ice cream. It's beautiful as a warm dip for strawberries. That's a fabulous way to finish out a meal, right? And it's just four ingredients. It's the best chocolate sauce ever. Heavy cream, good chocolate chips or chunks, a little bit of honey, and some prepared coffee. I like to actually run an espresso from my espresso machine, let it cool, and add it in. It is the best chocolate sauce ever. And I'm posting it now on social, at Chef Jamie Gwen. So do steal it. And I will meet you here next weekend when there is the promise of more fabulous food in your radio. Once again, I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off, and I hope you continue to eat well. (laughs) 